2: It's
3: the California Report Magazine, and today high school journalists from around the state are taking over our show. And I'm one of them. Today we're going to be talking about body image. And about how some teens get by on just a few hours sleep.
4: I'm 17 years old, but I can sometimes feel my heart skip beats when the caffeine makes my blood pump too fast.
3: And why young women
0: shouldn't always be so polite.
5: This is your reminder, whether it's online or in
3: person, it is always okay to say no. Plus, what happens when your best friend Gets pregnant. I'm Sasha Coca.
0: And I'm Autumn Savad, and we're broadcasting from El Cerrito High School. This is the California Report magazine. Your state,
3: your stories.
0: My name is Autumn and we're sitting in Mr. Mason's beautiful broadcast journalism class
3: and it's actually one of my favorite classes. What is it that you like about journalism and storytelling?
0: For the most part, I'm an introvert, so it feels good being able to write down how I feel without having to feel like I have to hold anything back and especially about personal things and stuff.
3: Well, on this show, we're going to hear a lot of personal stuff about the lives of high schoolers. We're going to be broadcasting today from KECG here at El Cerrito High School. It's one of only a few hundred high schools in the country that has its own radio station. Mr. Mason and some of the students also broadcast the morning announcements from the studios here. Good. Morning good.
6: Freedom grows. Don't you know?
5: underneath your feet. Freedom goes we
6: want to be free like we want to be. Snuggle in around the bay. We're gathered in
1: Studio A. Juniors and sophomores, not, that's N-O-T, not currently signed up to take AP English next year, but, you know, totally open-minded and are totally into trying new things and stuff, should come to the library during lunch. Congratulations, JV softball team, on your undefeated season go gauchos and that's all we have for the morning announcements have a great day gauchos and as always go gauchos
0: On today's show, we're tackling some taboo topics about health and wellness, things I talk about in private with my friends, but not stuff you'll usually hear on the radio.
3: Our first story comes to us from Karina Burrell. She's a senior at Lincoln High School in San Francisco, and she's going to tell us about her best friend and the moment their relationship changed forever.
7: I never expected to hear that my childhood best friend was pregnant. My family and I were at the table eating dinner just like any other day. I noticed my parents talking amongst themselves and thought to myself that something's a little sus. Our friend is pregnant. Those were their words. I couldn't fathom this information. My friend was only 15. I rested my head in my hands and stared down at the table thinking a billion thoughts surrounded with fear. When will she have the baby? What will she name her baby? How will she finish school? Who's the father? How could she be so stupid? What was she experiencing in her life that she wanted to avoid and not feel? Will she have time for me? How is our friendship going to change? I'm not a good friend. I could have done more. I should have done more. I regret not being there for her more. All these thoughts haunted my conscience, mind, and spirit. I was disappointed in her and saddened by her poor decision making. I even reached a point where I was angry. I felt justified about my feelings of anger towards her. I found a reason to be mad. She wasn't thinking about how she could affect her whole family and friends. It was selfish and proud of her to think nothing would happen. When we saw each other on Sundays at church, I couldn't bring myself to even talk to her and say hi. I cried for the next two weeks, every day, until I let myself accept the reality. My friend, who was just a few months younger than me, was pregnant. Night and day, I worried about my relationship with her. We had more or less drifted apart in middle school and high school, so in the moment, it felt like this situation would only make our relationship more complicated. I knew she was going to have to mature and grow up quicker for her son. In my mind, that meant that we couldn't relate to each other because she was going to be a mom and I was just a teen in high school. On top of that, we already had our differences. She was a very social, popular girl in school. I wasn't. Our personalities were very different. I was more reserved and quiet, while she was a lover of talking and making people laugh. She was going to be a mom, and I wasn't. Through this difficult time for both of us, I was able to get help from many friends that advised me on how to approach just letting go of my anger and disappointment, loving her, and being her close friend again. I couldn't afford to make room for my anger and hurt anymore if it meant that I would lose my close friendship with her. I knew she needed me to understand her and all the embarrassment and shame she felt. Though this situation was difficult, it ultimately brought us closer together. Because she lives so close to my school, I visit her more often. We have great talks over boba tea and our friendship overall has turned into something I never thought I'd have with her again. Intimacy. Since her son was born, we spend more time with each other. Her son is now almost one year old, and I'm happy to say he has been a great miracle for her family and mine. He has brought so much joy into our lives, and I'm glad my friend has a living, breathing being she can call hers for the rest of her life. The three of us enjoy walking lessons and little dance parties to music like Black Coast Trendsetter, (laughs) (laughs) and plenty of smiling and laughter, and I'm happy to say that my friend will be graduating high school this spring and attending University of San Francisco in the fall. For the California Report, I'm Karina Burrell.
3: Autumn, what do you think about Karina's story?
0: I love how reflective the piece was. I love how she acknowledged how she felt during the pregnancy and everything and was able to accept it and just grow with all the change that life comes with. She's a really strong girl I can tell from the story.
3: Our next story is also about two friends, but this one is about how teenage girls often feel pressured to act politely even when they're in uncomfortable or sometimes dangerous situations. It comes to
0: us from reporters Tyla Lee and Chloe Postalwaite, who are juniors at Woodside High School in San Mateo County. Their story starts at a place where a lot of teenagers hang out.
2: We're 16-year-old teenage girls, so naturally, we were at our local Starbucks working on a school project. We were having a conversation when a 20-something-year-old man approached us and asked if we had Uber. Neither of us did, so we
5: apologized and said no. Then he said...
4: Can I sit down and talk with you guys? I just got out of jail, and I really need to talk to someone.
2: Without waiting for an answer, he pulled up a chair, sat down with us, and started talking. We waited there, nodding patiently and listening
5: to him, because politely asking him to leave seemed impossible. He continued with his story, casually asking us how old we were, what school we went to, if he could buy us a drink.
4: I actually didn't even need an Uber. I just wanted to talk.
2: He apologized for interrupting our study session, and although he was generally pleasant, he never implied that he was going to leave.
5: We texted each other about what to do, all the while still nodding and smiling at him. But when he left to go to the bathroom, we grabbed our belongings and ran out of the cafe. We sprinted for two blocks. The worst part was that, when we left, we felt guilty
2: for leaving him alone. We haven't been back since. Zoe Mason, a junior at Woodside High School, mentioned a similar situation she was in. Uh, So one day I was walking home from school and this guy approached me and wanted to talk about um, the flowers in his yard. And so even though I felt like a little bit uncomfortable that this like much older man was like trying to get me to talk to him, I stood there for a few minutes until I could like excuse myself instead of just saying like no thanks and walking away.
5: Ever since kindergarten, your parents and teachers tell you not to talk to strangers.
2: You know, they raise you to like be aware of like the whole stranger danger thing, but they also like, like my parents also raised me to like be polite and kind and nice. In middle school, we're told not to reveal any personal information about ourselves like our name, age, or school, but social media has blurred these lines. When I was 13, a man started messaging my public Instagram account. At first, I thought he was just a kid trying to be friendly, but small talk quickly escalated to him asking me invasive questions and trying to roleplay. I was worried about acting rude to someone who I thought was just trying to be nice, but when I found out he was 23, I finally blocked him.
3: So, what do you guys
5: think about this? He sent me this yesterday. I mean, definitely I block him. him.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: Block yeah. him quite like, It doesn't matter. That's so yeah. weird.
5: Although the Me Too movement has made a powerful impact on society, there's still more to be done. Sure, Me Too empowers women and spreads awareness for sexual assault. But, at the same time, it doesn't address the pressure to be polite, especially for young women placed in potentially dangerous situations. The standard to be polite has not been directly addressed by Me Too, but the movement has still helped to end the stigma to speak about prevalent issues directly affecting women. Students at Woodside now have more access to campus resources to deal with these concerns, like counseling, confidential doctor appointments,
2: and community groups. Practicing how to leave a difficult situation and how to say no are essential to ending this problem. This is only a temporary solution, as female high school students are still expected to conform to unrealistic behavioral standards. Girls are supposed to value safety over courtesy, but also to act politely in all circumstances. Until this expectation changes, teenage girls will continue to struggle with these uncomfortable situations. This is your reminder,
5: whether it's online or in person, it is always okay to say no. For the
2: California Reports Youth Takeover, this is Tyla Lee and Chloe Postalway in Woodside.
0: So I happen to be a barista at a Starbucks, so it was really hurtful to hear what the girls had to go through. And also the whole thing on the politeness and how women are expected to be, you know, nice to men and everything. It holds us to a really high standard, but at the same time, it's important to, you know, watch out for yourself because everyone doesn't have good intentions.
3: So that story started with two girls having coffee at a Starbucks and you spend a lot of time in Starbucks because you work at one. And a lot of teenagers say that they need a boost of caffeine to get them through the, the packed lives they lead, the packed days at school, all the extracurriculars, all the hours of homework you guys have.
0: Yeah, life gets busy as a high school student, and sleep isn't really a priority, if you ask me. In fact, we have another student reporter who is going to share his story about how little sleep he gets and how it impacts his life. His name is Vincent Nguyen, and he goes to Santa Clara High School.
4: I'm typing the script for this story at 3.44 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, just a few hours before school begins. If it hadn't been pushed back a couple of weeks, the SAT would have happened today, and I would have taken it operating on about two hours' worth of sleep. On Thursday, I'll probably be pulling an all-nighter to finish my work for AP U.S. History. I've never had what most people would call healthy sleeping habits. In elementary school, I would go to my cousin's house for sleepovers, and every midnight, we'd raid the fridge for his dad's Red Bull, hyping ourselves up on however much caffeine we could find, and pretend we were asleep when his mom came to get us in the morning. I'm a junior now, and I still drink a lot of Red Bull. I have five empty 24-packs sitting in the back of my closet that can testify to that. I know it's bad for me. I've heard more than enough stories in my life about heart failure and livers with holes in them. But really, energy drinks are the only way I can keep myself awake during the day. As a result, I've developed insomnia and high blood pressure. I'm 17 years old, but I can sometimes feel my heart skip beats when the caffeine makes my blood pump too fast. Loud noises and stress mixed with five-hour energy cause my ears to ring. I've changed my sleep schedule so I'm no longer sleeping during the night, but rather during the day. Typically, I take the bus home after 7th period, put a couple cans of Red Bull in the fridge for later, and go to bed until about 8pm. Unless I have nothing to do, I work from then until 6am when I start getting ready for school. Of course, a lot of that work is mixed in with procrastination, but some days days when things like essays and applications are due. I realize that I don't have any time for sleep at all. Those are the days I stay awake for 36 hours and they happen at least twice a month. I know that I'm not an isolated case. A 2006 National Sleep Foundation poll said that 87% of teenagers across the nation are getting far less than the recommended eight hours per night. In a 2014 report, the American Academy of Pediatrics labeled sleep deprivation among kids as an epidemic. Really? It sometimes feels like I have no options. Does anyone? We can try as many things as we want, but it never changes. New diets, louder alarms, stricter sleeping regiments, whatever anybody suggests to us, nothing fixes it. So it stays the same. I stay the same. Tired. I'm always tired. For the California Report's youth takeover, I'm Vincent Nguyen in Santa Clara.
3: So that story is really intense Very to hear about how little sleep he's getting and how many empty 24 packs of red Bulls he has (laughs) yeah um sleep is really important honestly and
0: he just showed us why so i feel like high school students should really try to take care of themselves more regardless of the work and everything you have to learn how to prioritize so you can keep yourself healthy so your work can be good and the better you feel the better the work is
3: So getting enough sleep is one challenge that students like you face in high school.
0: Another is dealing with all the messages young people get about our bodies, especially on social media.
3: Our next commentary comes to us from Geneva Tulajian at Bishop O'Dowd High School
8: in Oakland. She's going to tell us about her struggles with body image. For all of my life, and probably all of yours too, you've heard that a thin-toned body is a must. If you are slim, you are healthy that you have to eat certain foods and avoid others to be healthy and therefore happy. You're lucky if these messages haven't taken a serious toll. The constant barrage starts early and it's everywhere.
5: Lose weight just in time for the holidays. America's number one weight loss brand
8: helps you lose weight your way. You'll lose three times the weight in 13 weeks. Surveys of 10-year-olds found that over 80% are afraid of being fat. By age 17, nearly 90% of teenage girls have been on a diet. For me, it all started my freshman year of high school when I joined cross country and track. I had never run on a team before. I heard the myth that thinner equals faster, so I restricted my food, counted my calories, and avoided certain food groups. By the time summer came around, I wasn't healthy. After a harrowing trip to the doctor's office, I was told to stop doing the thing that made me feel best, running. So I made the choice to get better, and worked hard that summer to regain a bit of my health. I then entered a kind of pseudo-recovery, because I was still very careful about what and how much I ate. Then I stumbled upon a podcast that put it all into perspective. I'm Sophie. I'm April. And this is She's All Fat. The podcast for body positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. This week... She's All Fat introduced me to the health at every size model, which is really different from your standard weight-based approach to health. It's all about respect and acceptance of body diversity and promotion of health for people of all sizes. As I listened along to the podcast, I identified with so many of the stories other people shared people like me who felt trapped by cycles of dieting and self-loathing. Real change didn't happen until my junior year when I discovered another passion, social justice, and realized the close relationship between body respect and the greater fight for equality. Working on a social justice team at my school and as a youth volunteer with Women's March in Oakland allowed me to see many parallels in the fight for women's rights firsthand the continuing struggle for human rights, and just how often so many social justice efforts are interconnected. What's more, there are important social justice implications around body image, too. Often, lower-income people and women of color experience body oppression at a higher rate than others. It's a vicious cycle that takes its toll on more of us, and in many more ways, than most people realize. And so, while I don't know all the answers, I'm working towards a better relationship with food and my body, while reframing the narrative I've been taught about body size. I am working on this not only for my own benefit, but as a way to create a more just system for everyone, or every body.
3: That was Geneva Tulajian from Bishop O'Dowd High School. You're listening to the California Report Magazine's Youth Takeover Edition. I'm here with my co-host, Autumn Savad, at El Cerrito High.
0: You know, Geneva's piece really reminded me of my acceptance of my natural hair, the same way she had to accept her body and its image. And I've also done a few projects here about my natural hair here at school.
3: Yeah, and you wrote an essay for the Youth Takeover about image and beauty standards and your natural hair. Let's have a listen.
0: My natural hair journey has been long and tiring. For a long time, I wasn't confident with my hair and tried my best to hide it from its natural state. I grew up around pretty acceptable white girls. Girls with hair who stayed straight and perfect in any type of weather and never got ridiculously big like a lion. It wasn't until high school when I actually realized how beautiful this thing I truly hated about myself was. As a young freshman, I saw black women older than me who wore their afros, curls, and kinks with pride and picked it out to its fullest extent. Since then, I have taken on the title as a naturalista and instead of letting my hair wear me, I wear it. Natural hair is only seen as taboo in other cultures. No one talks about it because it doesn't directly concern them. Even though natural hair is only a thing women of color deal with, it's still necessary to educate other ethnicities on it just to provide more perspective. It could even allow them to understand us and our oppression more. Confidence with wearing natural hair is relevant and affects all African-American women, especially those in diverse environments. If it was talked about more, maybe it would encourage us to be more confident with something that makes us feel like an outcast. So now we're here at the garden at El Cerrito High School, and it happens to be one of my favorite places because it's really peaceful and I like to come here at lunch. So you'd rather eat here in the
3: school community garden than the cafeteria?
0: Yes, I do not like the cafeteria. I don't like seeing everyone that I see all day, and the garden is just like a mini escape for me. And how's the food in the school cafeteria? It's disgusting, I never eat the lunch here. I either just bring a salad or starve until it's time to go home.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, our next story is about one kid's quest to get closer to his family's roots through food. And it comes to us from Curtis Chan at Lincoln High School.
9: Growing up with part of my family being immigrants and another part of my family that was born here in America is like living in two worlds. I get the best of both worlds being Chinese and American, celebrating the great food of my grandparents and the many holidays we get here. Every week since I was a baby, I went to my grandma's house to eat her delicious food. Every dish is so different in the way it tastes, smells, and the way it was cooked. There's the mellow smell of the beef and tofu mixing in the wok with the crackling sound of green onions cooking in oil. The deceiving smell of the bitter melon in black bean sauce and the boiling of bok choy in the chicken broth and garlic. During holidays, like Thanksgiving, I get to smell all these great dishes, but also get to smell the cooking of my uncles. I think that's cool how on holidays, there is a mix of Chinese dishes and American dishes. My aunts and uncles take care of most of the cooking of the American food like turkey, ham, baked potatoes covered in cheese, mashed potatoes, and this mushy spinach with onions in it. Even though we are celebrating an American holiday, my grandma likes to make things like sticky rice, new maifon, and chow fun. She also likes to bring dumpling-like appetizers called fun guo and sweet bean paste-filled pastries we call ti doi. My aunts and uncles show me what great American food is out there, and my grandma shows me what great Chinese food is at home.
0: That was Curtis Chan from Lincoln High School.
3: Yeah, the way he describes those crackling green onions and that crispy tofu is making me hungry. (laughs) Our next
0: story is from a youth journalist, Kenny Yang, who also attends Lincoln High School in San Francisco. And he's going to tell us about his newfound passion, which happens to be in the kitchen.
6: A new craft that I learned was cooking. I never really wanted to cook because I'm kind of lazy and I only enjoy eating the food, not cooking. But I decided to give cooking a shot. Before I started to cook, I watched some cooking videos on YouTube. Some of the videos I watched were how to make a California burrito.
9: I'm gonna make the french fries. It's one of the key ingredients in the California burritos. And how to make
6: eggs, Benedict. We'll begin by making the hollandaise sauce. First, separate four eggs. These videos I watched showed a step-by-step process, which made cooking look easy. But I knew it wasn't gonna be that simple. I started off by making some extremely hot and spicy ramen noodles for my friends to try. A couple weeks later, it was the day before Thanksgiving, so me and my friends had a Friendsgiving party. It was the perfect opportunity for me to show off my new skills. My friends were in charge of the fried chicken, and the only one in charge of the mashed potatoes was myself. The mashed potatoes I was making weren't just any mashed potatoes. It was a recipe by BuzzFeed, how to make the creamiest mashed potatoes. Not gonna lie, mashing these potatoes really got me sweating. The instructions were to push the potatoes through a fine mesh sieve. But I didn't have one of those, and I also didn't have a potato masher. So I had to use a fork to finely mash all six pounds of boiled potatoes. But after adding the butter and heavy cream, the mashed potatoes actually came out pretty tasty, along with some beef gravy I made out of beef stock. Then the week after, I invited my friends over again to taste my latest creation, Supreme Nachos. When my friends tried this dish, they were just starstruck by the amount of flavor in the marinated beef. Now I can proudly say that cooking is one of my greatest passions. For The California Report, I'm Kenny Yang.
3: Autumn, before we sign out, people might wanna know you're a senior, you're gonna be graduating, what's next for you?
0: Well, after high school, I plan on attending Prairie View A&M. It's right outside of Houston, Texas, and I'm actually on a full ride scholarship, so I'm really honored and blessed for that.
3: That's the youth takeover edition of the California Report Magazine. We're a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco.
0: And this week, our show was broadcast from the studios of the beautiful El Cerrito High School, which has its own radio station known as KECG. Corey Mason is our
3: faculty advisor and also my teacher. All right. And the director of the California Report Magazine is Susie Racho. Our technical producer is Seal Muller. With additional engineering from Rob Spate and Katie McMurrin. The youth takeover at KQBD is spearheaded by Teresa Wares and Chanel Ignat. Asala Sanapur is our field producer this week. Our senior editor is Victoria Maleone. And our editorial team also includes David Marks, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Sasha Koka. And I'm Autumn Savad here at El Cerrito High School. And this is the California Report Magazine, your state,
0: your stories. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation. Accepting nominations now for the 2020 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvine.org. College Futures Foundation, more graduates for a thriving California. Learn more at collegefutures.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence
8: of all living systems.